Thank you so much, worship team. I believe that um, this word is definitely for our congregation. I do believe there's a lot of universal truth in there that would speak to all of us, and then there are specific edges to it that is gives a practical outflow that's maybe specifically for Cape Town City. Um, I do, however, I did, however, sense from the Lord that it is the word for this morning, and therefore I trust that it would bless and speak to all of us and. Be a part of our journeys. Um, so, Shafat Tableview, the word of God is the same for us and you today. Um, and thank you for being with us in it. I believe that there is something new that is brewing. Something is brewing. And, and so like Heinrich said last uh, week, we shouldn't, we shouldn't make light of the fact that God brings change like this to us as in, in a new venue. He doesn't bring these things just because they happen sometimes. But that there might be something that he's busy doing. He, he might be wanting to transition us and our hearts. And there's been a few things that's been coming for a while that is just clicking the last while in my heart that I believe he wants to do through this new season. It is, it is a fresh thing. It is an exciting thing. It is still somewhat unclear to me. And, and I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I'm not going to say scared. I'm going to say uncomfortable. Which just adds to the excitement. And I want to just um, share my heart, share the word of God with you this morning in the way that I would hope that get your heart in on this. Um, an old testimony... Um, came up when I prepared this message and I want to start with this, with this testimony years ago, many years ago um, while spending time with God one day I read a portion in 1 Corinthians where Paul says he asks the question, he says so what is my reward? and I read it and I Almost I didn't want to look at the next sentence because I thought, well, what would your reward be? Is he going to speak about heaven and the rewards in heaven? Is he going to speak about something else? What will the reward be? And then he continues and he says, it is that I may preach the gospel of Christ without cost. And I thought, but that sounds like the work. <laughs> that doesn't sound like the reward. I thought the reward was going to be for that work. And so I, I didn't understand. And I left it with God and left it as an open tab. I said, Lord, what is this? And I got, a, I got a job to work. It's part of another testimony, really. But I, I got an odd job in between my uh, finishing my studies and starting work that I really needed um, here in Cape Town, actually, I was here for a month in 2011 doing a job for a specific month, and, and it was just about after when I had this uh, encounter with the Lord on the specific sc 
scripture. And while I was here, I was working in a team with a bunch of guys, and I prayed for them. And me and another friend that were saved, we trusted God to do something in their lives. As one does. Right? As one does. Your colleagues, those around you, are you still intentional? Are you still looking to God and saying, God, what can you do in Jennifer's life? God, can you touch Trevor? And so with that heart, we were praying. And the one morning, I felt God speaking to me about the one guy. His name, his name was Thomas. His name is still Thomas. And Thomas has been going to the doctor quite a few times for something with his ear. Something wrong with his ear. And I sent God smile at me and say, hey, well, why don't you go for that? Low-hanging fruit, right? Um, just go do a miracle. And that's easy enough. And I got excited for that. And at the same time, I felt God speak to me about Darren, which, by the way, I, met the, I re-met the other day just outside the Kingdom Hub. Um, of, it was about 12 years ago that we had this encounter, but I, he's still here. Um, I should probably reach out. But I sense God gave me a word of knowledge for Darren. He told me things about his past, things that happened, things that caused hurt in his life. And so I was super excited for an opportunity to share with him that there might actually be a God who knows you. And that day I went to Thomas and I approached him and I said, hey dude, is it okay if I pray for you, for your ear? And he kind of said, yeah, that's fine. And he walked away as if he was going to let me have my freedom of religion, but somewhere else. So I said, no, no, I want to put my hand on your ear and pray for it. I might even take some mud and spit, and, but I relented. So um, he said yes. And I prayed for him and he got a shock because when I finished prayer, his, his eyes were big like this. He said, dude. So something just went pop in my ear. And I said, oh, shucks, I hope I didn't break it. Like, <laughs> the Lord's, I mean, he's, um, he, his power is significant. So I um, hope he used just enough. So let me pray again. So I prayed again, just a covering and a blessing on his ear that now just went. Um, and it was awesome. His eyes were big like this. He's never seen anything like this or known that there was a God who could do something like this. And afterwards, um, I remember that night he sent me a SMS. There were still SMSs back then. He said, his words were, maybe I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, dude, are you serious about this Jesus things? Because my ear is healed. Huh? And so I was getting excited for this and I went to Darren with my word of knowledge we were driving somewhere and I said so um, Darren there is there is a God and I know that God and that God speaks to me and that God spoke to me about you and I want to tell you what that God said and so he said okay well um, always keen for an outer world experience of and, and I said, okay, fine. So I shared with him. And he was dumbstruck by the fact that this is God. And he said, how did you know? And I said, well, I told you. So God spoke to me. And he had an encounter right there. And I just said, God, so you, you can never again in your life say that there is no God. And I want you to know that he knows you. And so long story short, that day when I drove home after these two things happened, can you imagine the excitement in my heart? Have you felt that way if you see God move? You, I drove on something in your spirit.
spirit just comes alive. Like, it can't come alive like that in any other way. Not even if the box win this afternoon. It's not the same. There's a next level that we're designed for that comes alive. I was in my car. I was worshiping. I was weeping. I was saying, God, can this be every day of my life? This is the best day of my life. This is all I want for the rest of my life. And while I was in that space of sense, God said, just highlighting the scripture again to me and saying, so this is your reward that you may preach the gospel of Christ without, without cost. And it clicked. We're designed for this. Our flesh will war against it. Does it not? But we're designed for this. We're designed to share the love and the power of God and Jesus and his blood and his cross with the world. I'm going to read for us Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on that. And Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So this little piece of scripture in context, if you look at Matthew 8 and 9, just after the Sermon on the Mount ends, Jesus starts doing lots of miracles goes around, he cleanses a leper, um, he healed the centurion's servant, then he heals many after healing Peter's mother-in-law, then he calls some disciples to him, then he calms a storm, then he heals two men with demons, then he heals a paralytic, it's just and then, and then, and then, and then, and then this happened, and then that happened. And so it's probably a few snippets from a few things that happened in that time as he was going and that comes to a conclusion at the end of Matthew 9 and it's summarized this is a, a kind of a reflective summary on this mission of Jesus and the mission he was on the whole time and so it's written kind of in a way to um, summarize everything that he did it says Jesus Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. That was a reflective summary of his mission. And it is also written in Luke chapter 10, the same thing is written, so it seems to be a little phrase that they would use sometimes to summarize the work of Christ, summarize all these activities. Now, it's interesting that on a summary, there's a closing quote that it's 
that is attached to a summary. So the summary is not actually something that happened. It's a summary of what happened. But then there's a quote linked to this summary. It's just interesting if you think about that. So it wasn't that, he, that the summary happened and then, and then he said to his disciples. So what that means, because Jesus often spoke about the harvest. There are other places as well where he speaks about the harvest. And it's every time when, when he was very excited about what happened with the Samaritan woman at the well, he makes this comment about the, uh, uh, um, uh, the, about the fields that are white and ready for harvest. And here, after doing all these miracles and things, he makes this, this comment about the harvest that is ready. It's, it's, it's as if an excitement stirred in him often while he was on his missions. And so we can interpret, interpret that little quote as either something that his disciples knew he would commonly say when he was in that space. He would commonly say this is what he would say when he was in that space. When he would come back from an awesome time of missions, that was what he would say. It's written in Luke, it's written in Matthew, it's in other words written in John. So it seems like something he would commonly say or something he said specifically after the conclusion of this specific Matthew 8, 9 mission. Either way, that is what this, the harvest is plentiful, relates to. It relates, it's a Jesus that's coming from missions that is super excited for what he has just seen. And then his heart burns with the following. He, his heart burns with the following. He says, the harvest is plentiful. I've seen it. I've seen the harvest. It is plentiful. And I've seen that the laborers are few. Well, it was actually only him going out there then. Then he said, ask the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into his harvest field. The very next sentence, he commissions his disciples and he sends them out. It's interesting to note, and I'm going to get to my main points just now, just putting this into context, but it's interesting to note that in our world, if something like this would happen, if someone would walk around doing a lot of miracles, then the mission would probably be to make that guy known so that things can start happening. Everybody must go to Yuan. Let's arrange events. Yuan's going to be there. Right? Jesus told so often, he said, don't tell anybody about me. His, his mission was not to say, okay, I am great. I know you can't do what I do. No one can do what I do, only I can do what I do. So bring them and tell everyone and make a big fuss about this. Even though he is to be made, we ought to make a big fuss about him. Right? Amen? He didn't go that way. He immediately said, I need fellow laborers to come and do the same things as what I do. And I have chosen 12 useless guys <laughs> to do these things. So that no praise would go to man, but to God who empowers men. And to a God who shares his mission with normal men. He immediately invites us. He's got a different way. He says, oh Lord, can we get more people doing what I do? Which is awesome. Another comment before I go on to what I really want to say is... What struck me is that he is the Lord of the harvest. 
ask the Lord of the harvest. It is his harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. He's the one who saves and who really cares about this harvest. That he would send laborers into his harvest. He is in it. You don't have to go out and say, okay, Jesus, I hear you. I'm going to go and try to harvest. No, he's in the harvest field. It's his harvest. He's busy. He's saying, come with me. And that sometimes feel like we have to step outside of a boat, right? <laughs> and it's into that space that I want to invite you this morning. Are you willing to step out into that space? Because I'm, I'm a little bit scared of that space. That's not, a, that's not a comfortable space. I want to invite you into that space this morning. The Lord of the harvest. What I want us to specifically reflect on on this, on this passage is that we see we see a wonderful, a wonderful pattern here that we should learn from. Is it begins by saying Jesus went. Jesus went. Jesus went. He was going. He was responding in obedience. He was going. And then, what happened after he started? Going. He went to do what? To proclaim the good news. That's what he did. We are, are we called to go and proclaim the good news? Yes. So as he went, the following things happened. Miracles. Have you seen one? Do you want to see some? Are you ready to go? I've seen many more miracles on missions than what I've seen in my, in my day today. Anyone else like that? Because we're not always in that mode, are we? We see miracles as we go, as we go specifically to proclaim the good news. The next thing that happens to Jesus is that compassion is stirred. We sometimes want compassion before we go. Mm-mm. You go. And then you see the crowds. And you will be moved by compassion. That's what this little summary teaches us. It says, Jesus went and when he saw the crowds that he was already going to proclaim to, he had compassion. That is a spiritual thing that happens. But we first go. You don't have to feel it before you go. You go because you have to go. You'll feel it. You don't have to first see a couple of miracles through your hands and then you're ready to go. No, you go. And then they'll happen. The next thing that happens as he went is he saw a harvest ready. In his context, it wouldn't seem to the natural eye that the harvest would be ready. Israel was nowhere. There was, there was no sign of revival on the, uh, on the cards. There's no scripture about Tanish praying everywhere and trusting God for breakthrough. And, and so we are in Cape Town and we sometimes wonder, oh Lord, 
So harvest ready. Seems like no one wants to hear. It seems like you're not a thought on anyone's mind outside of the few that kind of huddles together and say, I still love Jesus. But I want to challenge us and say, if when you go, you will see the harvest is ready. Jesus said this also after ministering to the Samaritan woman, who was not typically someone who you would say is ready, is, is ready to be harvested. But after harvesting her and she harvesting Samaria, he said, oh, the fields are white for harvest. As you go, you will see the harvest is ready. I believe that. And the last thing that awakens in you then is this desire that Jesus had for co-laborers. Before we go, sometimes, oh, we're praying, oh, Lord, would you send laborers? But in your heart, you're actually knowing that you're praying for yourself because you're not really going. This prayer is the prayer of someone in the field saying, oh, Lord, the harvest is big. There's lots to do. Please, would you send more? I'm already going. It's that prayer. I almost want to say it's not a prayer to pray while you're, not, while you're not going to go. Right after this, Jesus sends his disciples out. The very next verse, he says, okay, cool, so now you guys are going to go. And then what did they see? Miracles. <laughs> a harvest. All these things that Jesus just saw, they saw when they went. We're going to speak more about that and what happened and the rest of this narrative next week and what we need in this narrative. But isn't this a beautiful pattern? We're called to go and as we go to proclaim the good news, we'll see miracles. The compassion will be stirred in our hearts. We'll get excited for our harvest that our eyes will be open to. That's ready. And we'll have a desire and pray to God that they would be co-laborers who would go with us. And then in this proclaiming, that's what I want to come to next. As we're signing up to be harvesters, we, are, we have to realize that the thing that we are proclaiming, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not something that everybody likes when they hear it. It's about blood. It's about a man who lived a long time ago that apparently died for the sin you have that is going to get you to hell. People don't naturally like that narrative. And for that reason, often, we don't like to share it. Are you willing to share Jesus on the cross? Is the question I want to I put to your heart. Are you willing to share Jesus on the cross? His blood for our sins. Who do, who, who's out there that you don't want to share this with? It just feels a bit, will they reject me? Will they think I'm crazy? Will I lose my friend? What hinders you from wanting to speak about Jesus and his blood enough for the sins that you have? So that you can be united with the Father. And I want to put it to you that whatever it is that is withholding you, that's hindering you from that, it cannot be God. 
the wonderful arguments, but it cannot be God that hinders you from sharing the gospel. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 24. It's the Apostle Paul that says, The Jews demand signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. We live in a society where there's a lot of what you would call Greeks. We're an intellectual society, most of us operate in. It's the same environment. So when you share the story of Jesus, it sounds exactly like Paul says here. Like foolishness. Can you, do you believe such a fairy tale? Aren't you educated woman? <laughs> I lost a lot of respect for you right now. I can't believe you believe those kind of things. Would you for fear of that kind of feedback, which I can tell you, you don't often get. You do, but much less than you think. Would you for that, for the fear of that reason, rather not do it? Or would you obey the God who asks of us to share and be fools to the Greeks? Because the fact of the matter is that when it is someone's time to be saved, God is the Savior, God is the one who saves, but the, the sharing of the gospel, how will they know if no one preaches? And how will they preach unless they're sent? It must be preached. And then those who God predestined to get saved then and there, they will get saved because of it. That is the glory of this thing. It's this story that we share and then people's lives transform completely because of it. And it sounds like foolishness. Are you willing to be a fool for Jesus? Are you willing to be a fool in these very Greeky environments that we're in? Are you willing to speak about a bloody cross and about sin? And yes, it's true there. Wise ways and we should build relationship. But I just haven't seen a lot of that actually then end up in a salvation the last while. Yes, we should. We should build relationship. We should walk in love and all those things. I've just heard those things being used as a reason why I never share about a bloody cross and sin. If that's the case, then the argument is flawed. If that's the case, it's a cop-out to not wanting to be a fool. Jesus said he, doesn't, he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. He knows this word will divide. He knows people will be offended. But as you walk in obedience to him, are you willing to, like Paul, be a fool? He speaks to the Corinthians later on. He said, we are, we are fools for Christ. Him and his fellows. We are fools, but you are so wise in Christ. You've got all these wonderful arguments. We are fools for Christ. We, we are weak because we know that we rely on the power of God. But you are so strong. 
Got all these teachings figured out, all these wise sayings, all these words, all these beautiful things happening. You are so strong. You are so honored. We are being dishonored. And I want to speak that to us also. Let's not be wise and strong and honored. If the gospel we're supposed to share would have the opposite effect. Now, I can tell you that it's not every day that it's going to make you feel like a fool. It's not every day that you're going to be totally dishonored. No. But you must be willing to count that, to count that cost. In some places in the world, it would be the truth every day of your life. In South Africa, not really. But are you willing to count that cost to be the fool? To be the one that isn't on it? For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the salvation of those few that need to hear right now. That someone died in their place. And that for that reason, they could have eternal life if they believe. So if the Holy Spirit moves in them right now and somehow they believe what you just said. Then they'd be born again. And eternity would be different because of that moment. Because they would be with us in heaven. And know the Father from now on. Would you sign up as a harvester this morning? Is my question. Would you go on this journey with me? Because I'm, I'm a little bit scared of this. And we're going to minister into this this morning to bring our hearts before God. For us specifically, there are a few next steps that I feel that we are going to dig into specifically. And that's part of this new and exciting journey and might be places where we might get the opportunity to share our faith. But I want us, I want our intercessors, as they have been and they've brought to a large extent a part of this word as well, but that we are going to continue for a while to pray into the ground that we occupy at this stage and we're also going to pray for laborers. We are going to trust God for this relationship at this school because it can be a gospel relationship. And we're going to labor here. And we are going to, for the first time, as far as I know, that our congregation is going to labor into a neighborhood. We are too small to focus on the, whole, on the whole city. But God placed us here now. And this is neighborhoody. And our vibe is also neighborhoody. So let's make neighborhoodies. Um, and trust God for this area. Frederick, even Urania's gardens, it seems like one big area. We can do a few things. And something that's stirring on my heart is that we are going to do a mission to Cape Town. Going to start praying about this, planning it. I want, we're going to take leave. It's going to cost us money like a normal mission. And we are going to go on a mission here. I want to invite you to start preparing your heart for, for that. You can all go. It can be one of the best weeks of our life. Amen. Because what if as we go here, we see that the fields are ready? 
and our hearts burn? What if as we go here, we see the miracles happen? And what if our hearts burn with compassion for the lost? So to close, and as the band comes up, you know, there is the Jesus that is with you in your boat. When the storms are rough, when things are hectic, there's Jesus is there, and he's at peace. You remember that story? He's at peace with you in your boat while your storms rage. There is that Jesus that's always there, and he calms the storms, and he's there with you. There is also the Jesus who is not inside the boat, but who's standing outside the boat in the stormy waters and saying, would you come? Would you come? You can't do this, but I'm here. Would you come? Would you step out of the boat? And it's that moment that I want you to engage this morning. It's that moment with him where he says, oh, shucks, this is a little bit, I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone. I might avoid this, <laughs> actually. I might find a good way to avoid it, and I hope whenever they're going to do whatever they're going to do, uh, that it would be someone's wedding on that weekend. <laughs> or we would have had a, fa a family thing long ago, and I sense God said that my mission will be to my family that weekend. <laughs> I'm just joking. All of those things are very, very valid. But could we all, could we all stand this morning? Because I want to invite you, like Peter, this morning. I know we are tentative. I'm tentative. I know there's a lot of fears around this. And I know us as Shafford Cape Town City, we haven't been particularly great at it. To be quite honest. Me included. I sometimes feel like backslidden a lot when it comes to this specific element of just getting out there connecting with people I don't know and trusting for the power of God to encounter someone, the love of God to change someone and the gospel to be made known and I want to change that in my life Some repentance might be needed this morning for apathy or indifference, even for being ashamed of the gospel. I'm just so ashamed to share it because I look so stupid. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed. Well, he wouldn't have said that if shame wasn't a thing. He probably wrestled through it and said, I'm not ashamed. you lay that down before him and say oh god well actually i i i i am a little bit ashamed to share this for before my friends if, if you see the faces of those people you think oh i'm actually too ashamed to share it with them the grace of god is there to help you through this as well but i want you to get out of the boat tentatively like peter did and there you can fall down and you can sink and all that stuff and jesus is there to save you and the other people that's outside the boat we need to get out of the boat into his harvest. Is there anyone who would be willing to sign up as a harvester this morning?
about seven. That's almost the mission team. Is there anyone else who's willing to sign up? If you are, just raise your hand to God. It's not to me, it's to God. To say, I respond to this. I, the sign of just us saying, oh yes, Lord, I respond to this. I want to sign up as a harvest. Oh God, would you use us? Oh God, I thank you for the joy. scared God I pray you would continue to guide us on this journey as we obey you and step out we need you your Holy Spirit sent to empower us and for that greater boldness that Peter prayed that comes through your Holy Spirit in us Pray for that in us, in Jesus' name. There's a specific song that France uh, wrote over this week that I think speaks directly into this that we're going to sing prophetically now. All of us, we're going to sing this prophetically now. And then while we do, do that, if, if you want someone to pray with you through some of these fears or confusions or just a repentance for maybe apathy in your heart towards the mission of God or the fact that you're ashamed because you realize you're ashamed of the gospel, all those things, I want to ask Retief Edna and elders, ministry leaders, if you guys could come to the front. And while we proclaim the song that France is going to teach us just now, that we would pray. Um, so you can come to the front, ministry leaders, and if you want prayer, please come. And come and pray with one of us while we sing. One of us still, please do that. Um, but I hope that you guys have a fantastic week. God bless you.